Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Weekends were made for sports. Now do the robot voice. I want to hear it again. Meet more sharp. Robot. That's a terrible robot voice. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Where are the turtles? Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? And Rashad Taylor. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. On 1080 The Fan. Hour 202 here on Sports Sunday. No Rashad today. It is myself, Mike Lynch, and Joe Fish with me as well. Just spent a couple of segments chatting about the Blazers' woes this season. I've jumped on board the it's time for Terry Stotts to go bandwagon. Obviously not right now, but end of the season, make a change and see what you can do defensively to bring someone in who actually knows how to coach defense and doesn't want to drop the center every single time to not contest a shot so that they get wide open layups every single time that somebody drives the lane. Um, we got a lot of good texts on that as well. This text says, I think Cantor's rebounding and uh, offense offset his bad defense and make him a better option than Nurk at the moment. I mean, he's a good option. It's good to have them both, I think. Nurk gives you one thing more than Cantor gives you the other thing, so it kind of depends on the game you're playing, but it gives options, which I like. You know, if you are in a game where you need more defense down the stretch, you would put Nurk in. If you're in a game where you're trying to score a little bit more and catch up and you need to get some offensive putbacks, you'd put Cantor in. So I think... I think that would it's just good to have both guys. You know, you're not you're not taking Nurk out of the starting lineup, but you know, minutes can be changed and I think that can be an important way to look at it. Uh this says it's fixable, get rid of Ol Schaefer, GM who'll make a real move, fire stats, get a coach who can make adjustments, trade CJ. This team realistically could have had Harden and Gordon. Olshay's excuses are laughable. Um Gordon Gordon, yes. They could have had Gordon. Seeing the trade that they did for Aaron Gordon, and you're like, ah, uh, 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 <laughs> Blazers. Blazers, you could have you could have done that. And Gordon looks really good with the Nuggets so far. But um, look, I I get the the dislike for Olshay and I get the dislike for the excuses, but you know, I, I think he's done a generally a very good job with the team. But yes, he is averse to the very big swing for sure. Uh, so keep texting in 503-250-1080. But we got a bit of a shorter segment here, so I wanted to 
give those of you out there who want some Masters talk, some Masters talk, but it's not going to be for me because I haven't watched the Masters yet. Uh, I'll probably throw it on a little bit today because I like to watch the final round just to see how it winds up. But I know Matsuyama's playing well. He's in the lead, yeah? Yes. Yeah. At the top of the leaderboard. One for one. There you go. Yes, at 11 under par, if you heard in the update, he has a four-stroke lead. And that didn't just uh, build up over the first three rounds. That literally came up out of nowhere yesterday. Because Justin Rose had the lead going into yesterday, right? Uh, Yes. If not, he was tied or had like a one-stroke lead, I want to say, going into yesterday. Uh, Yes, one-stroke lead over Will Zalatoris, who mm. looks like the caddy from Happy Gilmore um, at the Waterbury Open, the one with the blonde hair. He's that, got a little bit of Spicoli in him, too. Yeah, that Happy Gilmore chokes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looks exactly like him. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Matsuyama was... He was around. He was around like four under, three under around there heading into the uh, round yesterday. And then they got a weather delay. And after that weather delay, he just turned it on. He went birdie, birdie, par, par, eagle, birdie, birdie. So just out of nowhere in the back nine, he shot six under par and just shot up the leaderboard to give him that uh, four stroke lead. Now, I don't know if you're the one to answer this, Joe, or not, but is is this something where is a four shot lead feel fairly safe? No, it's 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 very, very possible that he can blow this. Yes and no. The way that he finished his round yesterday and the way that he was putting, he looks locked in and he looks very good. And it it would take a lot for him to lose like I think I was seeing that if he shoots even par today, a 72, that one of the guys below him needs to shoot like a 67 or a 66, which is, you know, possible. It's definitely possible, but he needs to play just even par, regular golf, and one of the guys below him needs to have just as good of a round as he had yesterday, Matsuyama. So a lot needs to not so much go wrong, but if he just plays an even par game, his chances are still looking good. And the way that he was playing yesterday, it's hard to believe that that could happen. Now we do look at the masters though. And Jordan Spieth a few years back had an epic meltdown on the 12th hole where he had a three stroke lead. And after the 12th hole was down a stroke, he went in the Creek. I and, remember that. Yeah. yeah. That epic meltdown the year before that he had a two stroke lead and then he ended up uh, finishing two strokes behind Bubba Watson and lost that one. So, I mean, well, Jordan Spieth is still in the hunt. He's, if, he's if, at uh, Matsuyama collapses. He's at five under. Yeah. Yeah. You have a few guys at that seven under who can definitely pull it out. I mean, Justin Rose, he's been playing good. He, after his first round, he hasn't done. He's got two 72s well, in a row, <laughs> but he's been putting well. Um, the Will Zalatoris kid. I mean, I don't know anything about him before this weekend, so good for him that he's in the hunt. But Xander Shoffley, he's been creeping up the leaderboard. His game has improved every round so far in the Masters. So he his round two was better than his round one. Round three was better than round two. So he's got a good shot of creeping up that leaderboard and maybe snatching the lead right. as well. So it sounds like what you're saying is the Yankee game is on right now. It's going to end around 1.30. These guys, I believe... Um, That'll be like a perfect time to tune in. They'll, I was going to say, yeah. They'll be Eastern getting time, into right? the back nine around then. I'll go back to my time. Okay. Yeah, so the last guys tee off at 1140. 
So yeah, I'll get to see the kind of the last nine holes. I'll get to I'll, I'll look at the leaderboard and I'll say, is this worth watching? If Matsuyama's still up by four or five strokes, probably not. Um, and if not, if it's much closer, I'll throw it on. Good advice, Joe. I appreciate that. What's crazy about Matsuyama yo, though is he's 29 years old. He's he's my age. This is his 10th Masters tournament already. Ten, wow. ten masters he's participated in, and he's not even thirty years old. <laughs> wow! Yeah, he was there uh, at nineteen as the amateur. He won the low score for an amateur his first year that he was there. Mm-hmm. Ten times played the Masters. That to me is just wild. Be the first Masters championship for a Japanese-born player um, on the tour. So that'd be history in itself, right there. So. Um, and even before the weather delay yesterday, seeing Matsuyama kind of floating around the leaderboard there, I said, I was like, that'd be cool to see him win it. He's always been stable, a great golfer on tour, and I've never seen him win a major. He has not. I just looked it up. So, I mean, to uh, see him his- win the Masters, I, I was like, that'd be pretty cool to see it. And then after that weather delay, he turned it on, and he he had some great shots. His first, or this is his best finish per major, Masters fifth in 2015. PGA Championship fourth, 2016, U.S. Open second, 2017, and then British Open sixth in 2013. In 2017, he was second to. Yeah, and I want to say. Kepka when he won by four strokes. Yeah, that was, um, and I, I think I saw on like graphic that that was the second best finish for a Japanese uh, golfer on any major. Um, there was a guy in the 80s, I want to say, that finished second at the U.S. Open. So, I mean, this would be huge for Japanese golf. It would be the first major win for them. So, Well, so you I'll, got, I'll, you got you some storylines. Although I, I would like it to be more exciting, that is pretty cool for Matsuyama. So I'll root for Matsuyama. But, again, it's like, you know, a four-stroke lead is you always feel good about that. But at the Masters. if What if you like bogeys one? Yeah, that's what that's what I love about golf. It's like he bogeys like, a hole, and one of these dudes at seven under par birdies a hole. It's like that four stroke lead just turned into two, or gets a hole in one. We've seen two hole in ones already. That's right, and it's like I mean, out of nowhere, this could get interesting. Uh, again, Matsuyama's looked really good, but all it takes is for one or two holes to completely change the trajectory of where this is going. All right, well, I'll finish the Yankee game when I get home. I'll put on the Masters, I'll check the leaderboard, and either I'll watch it or I'll say congrats to Hideki Matsuyama. <laughs> yeah, well, it all depends on uh, what happens to see, you know, my son might not get anything out of me, but if this back nine, yeah, he goes into it and he's got like a five-stroke lead, eh, maybe I go shoot some hoops. We'll see. <laughs> all right, let's get into a little NFL next. We haven't talked a lot of NFL yet. Once the season ended, we kind of did a decompress, considering we are a football show for a majority of that time, but... I kind of want to look at the top of the draft because we haven't done it as a show yet with Trevor Lawrence as the projected number one pick, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, the question of who the Niners take, the question if someone's going to trade up to four. We'll get to all of that coming up next. This is Sports Sunday on the fan and the Odyssey app. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Ten twenty-one here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Joe with you till 11 o'clock. Rashad will be back next week, we assume. 
I want to get into a little bit of NFL here because we just have been ignoring it, generally speaking. But the draft's coming up in a couple of weeks, end of the month, and we've had plenty of movement of, tri- of teams talking about slash actually trading up to try to get a quarterback in this upcoming draft. The Jags are staying straight up at number one. The assumption and what will almost 99.9% happen is Trevor Lawrence will be dra- uh drafted by the Jaguars the Jets have the number two pick and everyone seems to think the Jets will take Zach Wilson out of BYU with the second pick of the draft and the Niners traded up to pick number three swapping with the Dolphins and the Dolphins actually traded back up a little bit higher afterwards to get back I think they went up to six once the Niners traded up and the assumption is that they'll either take Mac Jones or Justin Fields with the third pick. The Falcons are sitting at four. They have Matt Ryan, and they're talking about trading down. There are teams that would want Trey Lance potentially or Justin Fields or Mac Jones, depending who doesn't get drafted there at four. They include my Denver Broncos. Uh, The Bears could potentially trade up. The Patriots could potentially trade up. These are all teams that have talked about wanting one of these quarterbacks in the draft this year. It's it's interesting because – I feel like we're getting a lot of talk this season about these quarterbacks all being like, it's going to, it's a great quarterback class. And I don't know if I'm as certain about that as a lot of other people are. In fact, I did see uh, Dave Bartu on Twitter talking about that. He thinks it's going to be not as good as people are putting out the vibes for, for this draft. I think Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback. I think he is truly special. Since I started watching him a couple of years ago at Clemson, it was one of those like, oh, wow, this guy is legit going to be a great NFL quarterback. That doesn't doesn't mean he doesn't have weaknesses, and I think actually over the course of the last two years, some of his weaknesses have come to fruition a little bit. Um, But generally speaking, he has – this is going to sound super douchey NFL, bro, but he has the tools. I love the way he spins it. He's tall. He's got a good arm. He's got some mobility. And look at that hair. I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Golden flowing mane, important for all quarterbacks. Kind of a weak mustache, though. Well, <laughs> yeah, that is true. Do when you, you have the blonde hair, the mustache doesn't always go as well. With Do you it. remember the reporter getting caught on the the press conference after they lost their playoff game? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she was saying something about how he can't She left her mic on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, you should probably shave the mustache. He's like, sorry. (laughs) Thanks for the tip. (laughs) I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be really good. Um, I really think the Jaguars are getting something special. Now, hopefully Urban Meyer and and the Jags know how to develop a young, good quarterback who can be a generational talent. (laughs) We haven't really seen that before, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain that Trevor Lawrence will be a good quarterback in the NFL after Lawrence. My certainty goes completely out the window. Zach Wilson had an incredible season for BYU. And I often will do this where I view quarterbacks who are at lesser teams but played really well as potentially better at pro prospects than quarterbacks who were at amazing teams and were surrounded by elite talent. Uh, that's not always the case. It's not a universal truth, but – we often will see the quarterbacks from Alabama and Ohio State struggle 
because they were they were gifted so much talent in college that they didn't really need to elevate anybody. Zach Wilson sure as hell elevated BYU this year, throwing for 3,692 yards, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions, also rushing the ball 30 uh, uh Sorry, that's the wrong stat. Rushing the ball 70 times for 254 yards and two or 10 touchdowns. Dude was legit in both running the football and throwing the football. And he elevated BYU, who's very mediocre talent-wise, to being a really good team this year. Especially on the offensive side of the ball the last few years. They, their offense hasn't been anything to snooze at. And, no. and it's like this year, it was evident. Kalani like, Sataki has built a good defense there. You exactly. Right. Yeah. But, and like since he's taken over, it was always the offense that was the problem. And so Zach Wilson having the year and the, the points that they put up, it was like, oh, damn. All and, right. it, you know, he, he, this is, he started for three years. He started as a freshman. He started as a sophomore and a junior. Not every game uh, the first two years. He threw 12 touchdowns. He threw 11 touchdowns and then 33. So there was a big step up in year three. I think the excitement about Zach Wilson is is purely about his playmaking ability. But the nerves about Zach Wilson are, are his health because he's small. He's slight of frame, and people are worried that when he gets hit, he's going to get hurt. Kind of like the Robert Griffin III worry when he was drafted out of Baylor. Dude could make plays. He was good running the football. Uh, he could throw a little bit, but what happened? He got hurt, and Washington didn't handle his injury very well, but he got hurt, and it was not good. I kind of I kind of have concerns about Zach Wilson about that. Also, you know, I just have concerns because he had one great year. You know, yes, he probably did get better over that one year, and he, he improved quite a bit, and obviously his stuff on tape looked, looks great from the, from the games that I watched and the clips that I've seen from him. And he had in, in the in the pro day, the BYU pro day, he had the uh, crazy reverse bootleg cross his body downfield throw that was a perfect dime that it was just scout people on Twitter were salivating over it. It was a great throw. Um, but I just, I don't know if, if he's going to be the guy. Wouldn't it be so Jets to, okay, you, you traded Sam Darnold to the Panthers. You're going to get a quarterback this year. You got a new GM. You're trying to reset the franchise, and you take Zach Wilson, and he's a bust. That would be so Jets to get back to this point and have a fail on them again. And part of me, because the Jets are so apparently tied to Wilson in all these reports, unless it's all smoke screens, it gives me a little bit of pause because it's the Jets that Zach Wilson might not be the guy. Uh, but then you got other question marks, too, about Justin Fields and Mac Jones. I mean, those are the two guys I was talking about last, uh, just, just right there where – they're from great schools with great talent. And those schools have not produced great NFL quarterbacks. And I want to get to that next because who's the last good Ohio State quarterback? Yes. Who's the last good Alabama quarterback? Yes. We'll get to that next. First Joe Sports. Don't get it twisted. This rush is my mother. Start up game. What you heard is what you hearing. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Such a long gap there. It's not a game. I love I love the old school censored versions of these songs. 
I will say, I uh, give you I give you two props for having the clean versions available for me today. So. Oh, I didn't do that. What do you mean? I didn't put them in the system. Oh, I know. They're not. I've had to find them all on YouTube. The only ones in the system are Party Up and uh, the DMX version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did put that one I in I put there. that one in, yeah, because Rob always asks for Christmas songs, <laughs> and I like to change it up. Like, you know, you could. there's only so many times you can play Nat King Cole. And, and there's Silent only so Night. many uh, hip-hop-styled Christmas songs out there, so. I don't think there's a lot of them, yeah. yeah you got And that's not like a true song. Wasn't he just like doing that in a studio and it got recorded? I like guess, he was just yeah. like doing it to a video camera. Got Christmas and Hollis, and that's really all I can think of. Well, the question I asked before the break was, do you trust that Justin Fields and Mac Jones would be good NFL quarterbacks considering the programs that they come from? There is a very, 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 very big, um, I don't know what the right word would be. There is a correlation, a big correlation between these top quarterbacks from these top schools not succeeding in the NFL. And I was just looking, and it's even worse than I thought. Here's the last few Ohio State quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins. How's that going for him? Um, is he going to play next year at all? I don't know. Probably as a backup. Cardale Jones. Anything? Nope. Crickets. Braxton Miller. Switch to wide receiver. <laughs> Terrell Pryor. Switch to wide receiver. He had a good couple games with the Raiders. <laughs> he had like a really long 90-yard run. I do remember that. Troy Smith. Oh, God. He I, Heisman winner. Games. What? Heisman winner, Troy <laughs> Smith. Yes. Craig Krenzel, Steve Belisari, and you can go all the way back. Their last, like, 20 years of quarterbacks have not succeeded in the NFL at all. Ohio State does not produce NFL quarterbacks. Alabama, Tua, first year, did not hit the way people thought he would, right? Jalen Hurts technically came from Oklahoma, but was Bama. He's now the starter in Philly. I don't know if you're going to credit him to Oklahoma or Alabama, but I guess that could be um, a win for them. If you're listening to my update, Eagles might just draft a quarterback for competition for him. So, right. I mean, we'll see. The jury's still out on both of those guys. Well, because it's Jalen Suggs. A.J. McCarron, nothing. He's a backup. Hey, he played in a playoff game. Greg McElroy, nothing. Uh, and you can go all the way back with Alabama quarterbacks, too. I mean, Alabama has successful quarterbacks. You got to go back a while. But it's 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 not pretty. At at either school. This dude named Bart Starr, from what I understand, was decent. That's why I said you have to go back a <laughs> while. <laughs> also, Joe Namath played at Alabama. But the problem here is that I don't trust these schools to produce quarterbacks, not because they're not good quarterbacks, but because they didn't have to elevate a team by themselves. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking it, and then I heard Souk also say it this week, is that well, everyone's not sure about Mac Jones being a great quarterback because of all the talent around him. And like, okay, that literally applies to any quarterback draft, drafted from Ohio State. You can make the case for Clemson as well. You can make the the case for Oklahoma yep. as well. Like all these top blue blood programs have the top talent all around them. And this is something that I that I'm very much in tune with with Bartu, and I didn't really think about it until Bartu started talking about it, but. Generally speaking, those quarterbacks have a lower success rate in the NFL than those who 
didn't have as much talent around them, but had to elevate everybody to their level. Uh, you know, think about think about the the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech. Like, what schools did they go to? They went to small schools. Russell Wilson, NC State, NC State in, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin for a year. Yeah, right. Um, I Aaron, mean, Aaron Rodgers, Cal. Yes, uh, you could go all the way up and down the list. It's it's smaller school quarterbacks. You don't have a lot of successful big school quarterbacks in the NFL. So because of that, I'm worried about Justin Fields and I'm worried about Mac Jones. Uh, and there are also flaws with both of those guys. I mean, Justin Fields, there's a concern. Now, some of this was due to the offensive system at Ohio State, but there's a concern that he's a one-read quarterback, um, that he has trouble progressing through his reads, which, as we all know in the NFL, that fails miserably. Um, Mac Jones, there's some questions about his mobility, and you know he is a one-and-done kind of guy. Now, Joe Burrow last year did – kind of blow that thought process out of the water with uh you know a guy who only had one good year then taking the leap joe burrow looked really good before he got hurt so he could be maybe the exception to the rule but matt jones played one year he was good he also had the best receivers in the country you know he had Devonte smith and he had jalen waddle and he had great offensive line as per usual and he had Najee harris in the backfield who could also catch passes out of the backfield I mean, you had really good quarterbacks. Or sorry, you, he had really good talent there, and he had one good year. So I'm concerned about those two guys, especially as a Broncos fan who, you know, they're a team at nine who might be trying to trade up to four to get a quarterback this year. If one of those guys is sitting there, they might take him. And that makes me nervous. The other guy is Trey Lance, who's a bit more of a project and a bit more of an unknown. I'm not going to pretend like I've watched any Trey Lance he plays in the FCS for North Dakota State. But, you know, say what you will about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz came from that same level and did have success. He was an MVP candidate for a year before he got hurt, and he's had a lot of injury issues, and he'll have a chance to reinvent himself in India this year. But that's a guy that maybe you take over Mac Jones or Justin Fields because of what he did at a school like North Dakota State. And he's kind of got the he's kind of got the uh, ability to run and throw thing going for him as well the dual threat ability going for him so it's just one of those where everyone's talking about it like look at all these great quarterbacks and really i only see one and it's trevor lawrence and the rest i have massive question marks about now you know the jets are going to take a quarterback you know the niners are going to take a quarterback and you know someone's going to trade up to four to take a quarterback so you're going to have four quarterbacks taken in the first four picks and then a fifth guy whether it's lance or mac jones or fields is going to go in the first you're going to have five quarterbacks taken in the first round that's a lot, it, and and four in the top four picks is a lot. I just don't know. I, I don't feel it this year with these guys as being surefire things, and I think it's a, a big concern if you're a fan of those teams. I don't know. It's just, it seems to me over the last four or five years or so, now that this league has just gotten so pass-happy and you know having a great quarterback means so much for your franchise that a lot of these teams are just saying, we need a quarterback – who are some of the top guys in this class? You know what? Okay, we might not have the number one overall pick to get the best one, but let's trade up and try and get one of these guys because this is a quarterback league more than ever, and we need to at least take a shot. I mean, that's why you have Arizona drafting a quarterback in the first top 10, 11 picks, whatever Rosen was picked at, and then the very next year they're like, okay, now that we have the number one overall pick, let's get the best available quarterback. You have the Jets now giving up on Darnold after three years. 
because they want another quarterback to try out. I mean, you have these teams literally just they, – they realize we need to get a franchise-changing quarterback in order to be successful in this league. So now teams in the top 15 are – you've got four quarterbacks going yeah. every year, it seems like. You have five going in the first round. I think a couple of years ago you had five all in the first round that uh, Baker-Lamar Jackson year. So it's like these teams, it's they're less patient and – if you get two, three years of a young quarterback and he hasn't already shown you that he could be a potential league MVP one day or get your team just even to a playoff, then they're like, we're done with you. On to the next guy right away. Well, I think that's a good point. And it's, to be honest, I'm not really mad at teams for doing that. I exactly. I don't blame them either, for sure. Because you do need that. I mean, there's so many teams that have been stuck in quarterback purgatory for so long and they're never good. And the Cardinals should be a good poster child of that. You're right. They took Josh Rosen and then immediately came back and took Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray is a great quarterback. Or a, 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 maybe not great. He's a good quarterback with the potential to be great. He is a franchise quarterback. They found their guy that they're going to try and build around. Obviously, it wasn't Josh Rosen. They found it with Kyler Murray. Um, I still think Darnold may have a little bit of something to prove, but – that it's his last chance with the Panthers. I, I'm giving some of the blame to the Jets for Darnold's <laughs> issues than more than Darnold. But to be fair, some of the numbers that are backing the Darnold haters are very strong. His his complete failure as a quarterback in terms of having even any good starts at all. I saw a list. I think it was quarterbacks who threw for. Well, he did light up my Cowboys one time. I do remember that. 300 yards and two touchdowns starts with that. Yeah. And. You know, like Rodgers and Mahomes are at the top. Sam Darnold has has had, I think, two. And probably one of those was against the Cowboys. <laughs> and that was worse than backups that are in the league. And this guy's been a starter for a couple of years. So, And what was really eye-opening was last year when he played your Broncos and you had, what was it, Tyler Rippon or whatever the hell the guy's name was, yeah. who was in there for Drew Locke that one game on Thursday night, and mm-hmm. he essentially outplayed Sam Darnold. Yep, yep, yep. And you're like, that That kind of stuff can't happen. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the Jets obviously need a quarterback. And they, they already moved on from Darnold. But it's a good – I do think it's a good practice. Just keep trying because you realize just how important that position is. It it, it kind of sucks, though, because if you're stuck in that range, you're, you're having a harder time using that top pick on filling other needs. Right? Like, again, I'm going to go back to my team just because I've been following them the closest. You know, the Broncos have a couple of needs still that are pretty – drastic I would say I would say that their middle linebacker position is not great and their offensive line could still use some work if the Broncos are picking at nine or say the Broncos trade up to four is it worth it taking a risk on Mac Jones when you when you've got a guy that you are going to give one more year to anyway and Drew Locke or would you draft Penny Sewell to get better at the offensive line if you stay at nine do you wait there so that you can take Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State, to fill a need on your team instead of wasting a first-round pick on a quarterback? Quote, I shouldn't say wasting, but uh, using a first-round pick on a quarterback and not getting that elite player at that position that can help you too. It's just one of those – it's a balancing act as well. It, it's smart to kind of go after those QBs because you know it's the most important position, but you don't want to lose out on a guy like Penny Sewell too just because you're – so desperate to find the guy that you take the fifth best quarterback available with the fifth pick. Like that's a dangerous thing to do. So it's a tough balancing act. You got to ride. I will say 
looking at the stats, uh, three of those games, Darnold had 300 yards and two touchdowns, and one of those was against the Cowboys. <laughs> was it three, he said? Uh, he had two, two touchdowns. Yeah, 300 yards, two touchdowns. He's had three of those games, and yeah, one of them was against the Cowboys. I <laughs> definitely remember that. You remember it. Oh, for sure. It's it's burned into your memory forever. Yeah, because it was against the Jets, and it was like, why the hell is this happening? Oh, our secondary is trash. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll wrap this sucker up next. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Joe today on 1080 The Fan and the Odyssey app. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I don't know if you were listening when we talked about this, but DMX lived in my hometown for a while. That's where he was caught with the dogs in my hometown, sadly. How about that? Is that the claim to fame for uh, whatever city Mike grew up in, New Jersey? No. Uh, there's a lot of famous people from my town, actually. Oh, I'm but, a brag. Uh, I was looking it up because I didn't know where he lived. He lived there when I lived there when I was a kid. He lived one block away from my aunt and uncle and like four blocks away from me. It was pretty crazy when I looked it up. It was like, oh, what house did DMX live in? And I was like, wait a minute. I recognize that street name. And then I looked it up and I was like, wait a minute. I was in walking distance of DMX's house. Oh, my God. And I probably went past his house without realizing it multiple times because my aunt and uncle lived on the street behind him. Yeah. I'm just looking at uh, notable people from Sherwood, Oregon. Mm. Um, probably not as much of an illustrious list. Um, I think Adley Rushman already tops that list. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There's a couple people I do remember uh, from high school, actually, on this list. Daniela Solis, famous Mexican soccer player. She was a few grades uh, younger than me. She played on the the soccer uh, national team for them. Mm, okay. Um, Isla Paulson, former professional long-distance runner. I All remember right. her. All right. So, uh, yeah, big big names, Mike. So athletes, yeah. Big names. What you got on your end, huh? Got a former MLB player manager, Dell Baker, uh, from I, the nineteen fourteen to sixteen season. Do you, Do you know who Mark Jacobs is? Might have heard of his name. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, from my town. Yeah. Um, David Stern, former commissioner of the NBA, he went to my high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. DMX lives in my town. Biggie Smalls lived in my town. Lived or are from? Uh, lived. Mm, see. At one point. David Stern is from my town. Mark Jacobs is from my town. Um, uh, A.C. Gibbs, second governor of Oregon. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, the Isley Brothers. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. So they founded... Their record label was called T-Neck Records. Oh, there you go. Based off of where they lived. Uh, I did not know that. That's funny. How many people are in your town, like population-wise? Uh, 30,000. Okay. 30,000, 40,000, something like that. It's pretty solid. I mean, Sherwood's right around that 19 to 20 range. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're playing with uh, even playing fields here. It's just, uh, yeah, for, uh, Joel Santana went to my high school. <laughs> okay. Um, Tip set. Yeah. When is ripping time? Uh, Mario went to my high school. Who? The R&B singer. Oh, you should let me love you. Yep. One of my favorites. At some point, Lil' Kim lived in Teaneck, I guess. I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a very big black community in that town. So for those who are from the New York area, 
who want to live not in New York City. I think it, it kind of just attracted a lot of uh, famous. Word got out, apparently. A lot of famous rappers and musicians and stuff like that. Biggie lived there, and then he let Lil' Kim know about it. He let DMX <laughs> know about it, who let everybody else know about it. Uh, word, Tom, of, word of mouth. Tamba Ali, former Chiefs pass rusher, went to my high school. There you go. Doug Glanville went to my high school. Yeah, I think you're uh, MLB center fielder. I think you're surpassing old Sherwood as far as illustrious names that came through T-Neck, New Jersey. Lawrence Frank, former coach of the Nets and Clippers. Okay. All right. There's more. I'm skipping. I'm skipping this list a lot. You win, I guess. David West, NBA player. Adley Rutschman and AC Gibbs, second <laughs> governor of Oregon. I guess don't hold a handle to you. Dave Winfield. Okay. Willie Randolph. All right, Mike, you win. <laughs> <sighs> Undefeated. <laughs> we'll say Twalton, Oregon, had a former Doak Walker winner, uh, Luke Staley. Yes. One BYU running back during the tenure of Jason Sukanik. Yes, that is true. I remember watching him in high I, school. Wouldn't Twalton have more people than Sherwood in terms of famous people? Because you lived in both, right? Yeah, I grew up in Tualatin, moved to Sherwood in, like, eighth grade. Um, so you should really be looking at Tualatin because that's where you grew up. Yeah, I mean, they all kind of, like... They just both, relate to Sherwood They're both more. basically the same. I mean, Tualatin, Sherwood. They are I right mean, next to each other, yes, but... I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Luke Staley is the only one that comes to mind as being, like, the biggest, at least when I was growing up there. Um, Taylor Hart, former Oregon Duck, build up Eagle. Does that do anything for you? Sure. I mean... NFL player? <laughs> I threw out Tom Bali. I mean, I uh, pretty sure he was basically only NFL player because that was during the Chip Kelly era. So, I mean, but hey, he made it. Also, this text came in. Have you seen Gardner Minshew? Yes. Did you see Gardner Minshew's new hair, Joe? I guess I'll have to Google that. Look up Gardner. He is going so Mississippi. It's fantastic. It's so good. He posted shirtless, too, with the hair because, of course, he did. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> that is, God, I hope he becomes the best quarterback in the NFL. I hope he is the greatest quarterback <laughs> to ever live and play the game. For ever. real, that is amazing. He is fantastic. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for listening. If you missed any of the show and you want to hear it, Les Schwab Tires podcast is where you can find it uh, on the Odyssey app, odyssey.com, 1080thefan.com. And we'll see you next week, 9 to 11. Have a very good rest of your weekend.